All right. No surprise, we are. Hey, welcome back, Dan. Good to see you. Joseph was away at. Uh, we, we, we joke and we call it shoe flag. Uh, all of the great uh, Air Force exercises take place at Nellis or Alaska, and it's called red flag. Or uh, in Canada, it's maple flag. Well, when you're a captain in the Air Force, you have to go to six weeks of bureaucracy, uh, a- academic learning at uh, Maxwell Air Force Base, and we call it shoe flag. Uh, just as a, as a bad joke, I guess. We're in Deuteronomy. We're, we're, uh, last week we started a 12-week study uh, in Deuteronomy. Uh, we haven't burned out a light bulb. I'm going to just throw up a map here real quick. Um, so for the first couple of weeks as we go into this, I'm going to start out with where are we, why are we in Deuteronomy, what is Deuteronomy, uh, and the like, until we get a, a decent familiarization. Uh, and again, I, I'm sorry that the overhead is not terribly dark. You could look in the map in the back of your Bible, probably. Uh, way over on the left side here, you've got the Mediterranean Sea. This would be the Dead Sea right here. Israel would extend much further up to the north, uh, up into the ceiling where the Sea of Galilee would be, uh, Jericho and Jerusalem right there. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Kadesh Barnea right here as uh, Israel came up and was on the cusp of the Promised Land. And we'll start to look at the rebellion that caused them to not go into the Promised Land. And essentially from there, they turned east to go through Edom and Moab and up through Ammon, ultimately to the east side of the Jordan River, which runs into the Dead Sea from the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so geographically, that's where we are. Now I can turn the light back on. So to keep it from perspective, north of the Mount Horeb was the Promised Land, all of that Mount Hor here? Yes. The Wul- Zin. Uh, Zin. Zin is south. It's the Hebrew word for south. The wilderness of the south. Sinai. Zin. And found in the south as well. The Negev. The desert. Uh, there. And so up, yes, to the north of this. This was all the promised land. I would say Jerusalem is in the southern part of the promised land. So... The rest of it would continue yeah. in the second floor. Up to, Ga- up to Galilee and actually extend all the way to the Euphrates River as well. So geographically, that's where we are. Chronologically, we went back to about 1400 B.C. We could go through that math. Again, I'll, I'll not. But chronologically, it is after the 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness. And the event that caused them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness is going to be brought up uh, again today in our study. So I'm not going to crack that nut open uh, right now. Um, Deuteronomy, last time we talked about what it means. What does Deuteronomy mean? You remember? Dual meaning two telling. Second telling. The second telling. So a lot of people go, hey, we, we read all this already. 
why are we, why are we doing this again? And so why are we doing this again? What? what? Remembrance, there's been a generation gap. Exactly. You know, the covenant was given to them a generation prior. That generation dies out. You are about to go into the promised land. Let me reiterate to you what I stated the first time. Okay, because it hasn't changed. I, the Lord, do not change. This covenant that I have established with you does not change. Okay. So, really, this is, this is God's call to the children of the older who have died out. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Um, this, is, this is important for us to remember. Does God need Israel? Good, good. God does not e- need Israel. So why Israel? Because he chose them. Why? Don't know. Yeah, he wanted to. It's his sovereign plan. Why did God pick Abraham? Tracy and I went through a study when we were at the Air Force Academy a long time ago. And... The, the, the chaplain at the time said, you know, why, why did God pick Abraham? Why did God pick Abraham? Because Abraham said yes. No. God simply chose Abraham. I am, I am picking you. Uh, now, if Abraham had rebelled and gone the other way, could God have chosen somebody else? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why did God pick Abraham? out of his sovereign design, his sovereign plan, his sovereign purpose. In fact, it gets to the point here with Israel, and and Pastor preached on this in Exodus 32, that because of their stubbornness, he wanted to destroy them all. I'm going to destroy them all, and Moses, you're the guy now. I'm I'm going to establish a nation through you. And... You know, Moses intercedes at that time, and, and God stays his hand. So if God didn't need Israel, what is also true? He doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. Oh, I am sorry. Dude, I should have known this. Yeah, there's no pastor today. It's me. My, my apologies. Thank you. We're in Deuteronomy chapter one. Yeah, it's been that kind of day. Deuteronomy chapter one. God doesn't need us either. God doesn't need us either, which should cause us to do what? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I mean, that, that he calls any is miraculous, is, is a wonder. Because everyone, you know, from corner to corner, side to side, front to back, you're all treasonous rebels. And you deserve nothing but utter condemnation. And God, in his great grace, has lavished upon us his love and his mercy. So we are chosen by grace, and as we will see, 
all that came out and all that were called out, all this entire nation of Israel, I was talking to somebody about this actually yesterday, weren't all Israel. Many of them perished apart from God. Many of them tasted of his blessings and rebelled and did not persevere in them. And so we are called as well to persevere and to, to continue. We can get all into the, the perseverance, how, what, what's required. Is, is that me? Is that my strength? No, it's not your strength. God is the one who enables and empowers us to persevere. Even that is in his grace. So that's kind of the initial orientation of where we are in Deuteronomy. Um, the first thing we're going to look at here, and it's kind of interesting that this is the first thing that he talks about. He talks about the leadership that is appointed within Israel. Okay, great. Um, nine, let's see. Corbin, would you read uh, verses 9 through 13, please? I spoke to you at the time, saying, I am not able to bear the burden of you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day like the stars of heaven in number. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you, <clears throat> just as he has promised you. How can I alone bear the load and burden of your, you and your strife? Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your heads. Okay. So, what is the impetus behind this appointing of leaders? Shared responsibility. Okay. Moses was tired. Yes. Absolutely. Why was he tired? Oh. <laughs> he had a few trips around the sun, he did. He was old. All day long, people were coming to him with their grievances, saying, help decide between us which one of us is right. Absolutely. And why did he, why did he do this? Because he felt it was his responsibility. Uh, the, the event is actually told, uh, unfolded in Exodus chapter 18. Uh, we'll turn there here in just a moment. And this is actually before the giving of the Ten Commandments here. So Moses leads the people out, and he feels responsible for them all. Okay, and he is he's wasting himself away through this. So here, he says, you know, in, in Deuteronomy uh, 1.9, he says, I'm not able to bear you by myself. It, it almost makes it sound like it's his idea. To, to come up with this apportionment here, uh, picking of elders, but it's not. Uh, flip back over to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18, starting in verse 13, they've actually stopped, and they're with uh, Moses' father-in-law, now Jethro, the, the entire nation of Israel. But Jethro's with them. The next day, verse 13, Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, are you stupid? Um, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? 
And, and Moses said, hey, you know, I've, I've got this responsibility. You know, the, the people come to inquire of God. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with them. I'm going to tell them. Um, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Verse 17, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. This is, not, this is stupid. You, you are going to fry yourself completely. And so obey my voice. I'll give you advice. God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. Oh. Hadn't thought of that. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Verse 24, Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. So what kind of men here in, in Exodus 18 and verse 21, what kind of men does Jethro advocate Moses to seek out? Okay. Okay. What what does he mean by able? Not everyone's gifted to lead and command people to basically be a mediator on their behalf. So there's going to be emotional and mental abilities that must be in place. Yeah. Uh, man. Some some men don't have that strength. To bear that. So, so yes, they, ha they have to be able. Uh, Tracy said honest men. They've they got to be men of integrity. I mean, they're going to judge. Um, what else is notable about these men? In verse 21. They don't take a bribe. It was the same as choosing favorites. Yeah. They would be influenced by money. money or power. You know, anything. Women. Again, you're seeing a serious chink in the armor of their character. If that is, if that is what they would pursue. So we need to be discerning and select able men. They're trustworthy men. Katrina, did you say something as well? Okay, they fear God. Ooh. So you can have... Okay, well, can you have men of character who do not fear God? Yes. You radicals. Yes, you can. How, how can you? How how can somebody who doesn't know God be a man of character? Because he's still made in the image of God. 
Yes, he can. He, he can discern right and wrong. Does that mean he's saved? No, certainly not. So as Israel is to choose judges over them, they are to fear God. Okay? Now flip back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 13. Moses here tells them what he told them then and explains out the kind of men that he would have them choose. Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men. Are these the leaders that we choose in our country today? This, this was first in the first televised presidential debate. It was Richard Nixon and John Kennedy. And John Kennedy was as cool as a cucumber. And Richard Nixon was sweating bullets. Also, Richard Nixon refused to put on any makeup. But Kennedy did because on the TV, the story, the way he looked, and Kennedy had makeup on, so it looked better on TV. Absolutely. And, and Nixon got crushed there, uh, especially as far as people thought how he did in the debate. It, you know, we pick it. We're, we're we're appearance people. This is this is the age of media. How well can you tweet? How can you sum it up in a pithy soundbite? There, uh, woe woe to us. But Moses tells them to pick people. Uh, who are going to be judges underneath them. Verse 15 uh, explains how this ultimately broke down. Olivia, would you read 15 and 16, please? So, there I put in, in the outlines, this is a lot like the U.S. court system. And, and for very good reason, because it's, it's smart. Do we want the Supreme Court judging the cases of the dudes sitting in the Wichita County Jail? It's like, no, get out of our chili. You know, we don't want the national government dictating what we're doing here in Wichita Falls. Judge it at the lowest possible level. Unless what? 
Unless we can't resolve it, it's got to go to somebody else. Yeah. Okay, man, the guy's going. I don't or know. Or you could have a judgment and it's appealed to a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, you think the judge is corrupt or whatever. There's a bunch of different reasons. Now it's going to move up from the tens to the hundreds. And how many go from the tens to the hundreds? Well, probably some there. But how many go from hundreds to thousands? Probably fewer. You know, the higher up you go, the fewer are going to trickle up. Ultimately, it's going to be adjudicated at, the, at some level where there's going to be a, a decision made that everybody abides. And you go, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. You know, Moses got his Saturdays back. Saturdays was Saturday. There you go. Maybe it's Fridays. Fridays. So this is ultimately what they put in place. And again, remember, Mo Moses is, is retelling what happened here. That's why a lot of what he is saying here is past tense. And I charged you. And he gives, he gives now an exhortation to the judges. Okay, they had a weekend seminar, something on, on how to do this thing. And he, and he tells them. Gives them, gives them some very wise advice. I charged your judges at that time to hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. Okay, so the first key is they are to judge righteously. How is it that a sinful man can make a righteous judgment? Well, we can be sinful men, but we're called to be holy as God is holy. And so we know the statutes that he's set before us, and we can hold ourselves and others to those, despite the fact that we fail. Well, aren't you judging me then? I mean, we, we call for judgment. We demand judgment. Why? Because we, we crave justice. We do. We crave justice. Why do we crave justice? Because we serve a just God and we made in his image. Yeah. Because the law of God, it says, I don't know the scripture reference, but it says the law of God is written on part of man. This is, this is something that the godless cannot come up with. Why is it that everybody's got this craving for justice? Some kind of justice. How is it that everybody, when they've been wronged, They bow up. Yeah, it's like, hey, they cut me off. Start from your kids. We two kids. That's my toy. That's my toy. I had it first. Where does that uh, the the secularist 
the humanist goes, uh, the chemical, it's written in your heart. Because we are created in the image. We have an answer here for this. And for us, we, this, is, this is common sense. Because we are steeped in the word of God. For the world, they, they don't get it. It's new. It's radical for them. And unbelievable. Really for a lot of them. But he, he, we're exhorted to judge righteously. We're demanded. A holy God demands that we uphold his law and mete out punishment for the breaking of that law. And this isn't something new and radical. Oh, God, imposed law. Man. We expect that from our governments. There has to be that. Otherwise, we become lawless. A lawless society is called a what? It's an anarchy. Who's got the biggest fist? Who's got the most guns? Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> you know, it's... It's chaos. And there you, you just see it fleshed out. Go, do we want that? Or do we want justice to prevail? Well, what about the cops going in? Oh, You know, there, there are going to be some injustices. Why? Why will there be injustices? I mean, no one's perfect. So what do we want? We want the best justice we can get. We don't want to go, well, and nuts to all the cops. Let's get rid of... Uh, Let's get rid of the police. No. Somebody is going to come in and put their fist down. Who? So here Israel is given men of God and they are exhorted to judge righteously. Between whom are they to judge righteously? Between brothers or brother and alien. Vulcans, Klingons. What do we mean by aliens? Foreigners. Foreigners. Okay. It could be someone from not this area, someone from up north, but they're foreigners. Yankees. Now, now, Israel is a is told about to be told to go into the promised land and do what? How? By force, take it away. God's going to give it to him also. By how? How much? What do you mean by force? Come on. Kill people. How many? Oh. Thousands. All of oh. them. All of them. <clears throat> to kill them all. Kill them all. We'll talk about that later. We'll kind of set that thought aside. But if they're to kill them all, what alien? Well, there are... Possibly. Within Israel, God blessed it and prospered and grew, and people who are from other lands 
weren't so blessed and heard about the blessing in Israel want to come there to experience that and enjoy that blessing themselves. We are going to read about a couple of nations that they are going to go through, and they're told, ah, 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 ah. don't mess with them. Okay, you are not to mess with these people. And we'll exp- yeah, we'll, we'll explain why here in a little bit. But then there will be nations that are not within Canaan at this time, external nations that people will transit through. People are travelers. Commerce, economy, all of these things. So these people are going to come into Israel. And not all of them are going to behave. And so you are to give the same justice, the same laws are going to apply to the alien and to the one, you know, can, can we got Dutchies and Germans and Italians and stuff up at the base. You know, can they go 95 in their Maserati down? No, they got to obey the speed limit. Well, it's confusing kilometers. And, no, no, dude, you better figure it out. Between man, his brother, and the alien. Goes on from there. Verse 17. Uh, Elaine, would you read verse 17, please? You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. In the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. Okay. So, part of his exhortation to them, judge righteously between man and his brother, and he also exhorts them to be impartial, which means what? Okay. Now, not only are they are they to be impartial, they are to not be partial. Partial. <laughs> Thanks. That's <was> good. <laughs> intimidated. intimidated. They're not to be intimidated. By what things would we be intimidated? Okay. Rank. Or his friends. The temptation is to give partiality to the to the poor man because he's so poor over the rich man who made nothing wrong. Okay, there there you could go the other way. Okay. You know, and that is actually that actually gets exhorted later on. Do not show partiality to the poor man just because he's poor. Don't be intimidated by the rich guy just because he's rich. Uh, back, back back in the day. Um, when we did missions in the Air Force, I may have been the flight lead or the mission commander. And within my flight, there may have been a colonel, a full colonel or a general who was a wingman. Who was in charge? Me. Me. Over him. Is that intimidating? Yeah. Might I not call a spade a spade just because he's a colonel or a general? Yeah. You, know, you can see that. But no, you got, you got to call them out just like the other guy. And so as a judge, as a pastor, 
as a teacher, as a Christian, I can't be intimidated by who, what a person is. I just like to be liked. Well, then you probably shouldn't be a judge. Or just, a or what? Or a referee? Or a ref? <laughs> or a parent? Whoa! Man, I just want to be my kid's friend. Man, woe to those children. There. So Moses' exhortation to them is do not be partial. Be impartial in your judging. (laughs) Hear the case. So what should they use then as a basis for judgment? God is unfolding his law to them. What is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. And he even says the judgment is God's. Essentially, you are the mouthpiece. You are the hand of God here in this to bring forth judgment. And so it is imperative that I seek God's justice and God's judgment in this. Whoa, holy cow. And he talks about he's, he's, he is the supreme court in this. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. Now, as, as we go into this next section here, really it's, it's the death of the first generation. What brings about the death of the first generation? I found it interesting in going through Deuteronomy, the thing that's missing in this retelling, in the second telling, is the exodus itself is the coming out of the promised land and I, I couldn't find a good reason why why does he start here other than that was perhaps the 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 story that they were redeemed out of it, Egypt they were redeemed all the all the things that happened within Egypt and we came through the Red Sea and that's the thing they told and told and told and told and So that was simply a common point here. But he goes right into the sobriety of why this whole retelling is needed, and that is the fact that this is the next generation here. Uh, Let's see... Arnold, uh, would you read 19 through 21, please? And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which we saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites. And as the Lord our God commanded us, we came to... Kadesh Barnea. And I saw unto you, and I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God thy, of thy fathers hath said unto thy thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Okay. So they come out of Sinai. Way down 
the base of the down southern part of the Sinai Peninsula. They come up, moved north, 11 days journey, he said earlier, and they're at the cusp of the promised land, Kadesh Barnea, Mount Hor, we were looking at there, the land of the Amorites. And it's like God says, go in, go in and take the land. Okay, I've set it before you. And this word, do not fear or be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. How often is that spoken in Scripture? Lots. Go to Joshua chapter 1, like three times. Be strong and of good courage. Essentially, don't be afraid. Be strong, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I, the Lord, go with you. Perfect love casts out fear. Okay, God exhorts us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Why? Why does this echo throughout Scripture? Because we do get scared. What does fear show? It does. Think of, think of Israel lined up against the Philistines across the valley. This huge dude comes out day upon day. You know, send out to me your, your best warrior, and I'll take him. If I win, you guys are ours. If you win, then we're yours. And we go, all right, go on. And they're all cowed. We fear. Why did David not fear? He saw in his heart how big God was and how much bigger than anything we're dealing with. David sees God. And the, and the giant goes, and I, I mentioned this just a few weeks ago, when Goliath says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And I'm thinking in David's mind, going, you ain't even that. You're not even that before a righteous God. I don't fear you. If God is beside me, God is with me, God is in front of me, what do I have to fear? I have nothing to fear. Do you see him? No, we don't. I don't see him. And so what does he whisper in my ear? Huh? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. I am here. Nothing can take you out of my hand. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do not be afraid. I am here. Do not be afraid. I can't see you. Trust me. Trust me. Do I? My actions will belie my heart. My actions will expose what I truly believe. Go in and possess the land. 
verse 22, it says, Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us, and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up, and the cities into which we shall come. And the thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. Is that faithless? Not necessarily. You know, what is the intention? Are they just trying, is it like a child who's going, well, let me, can I do something else before I do? And they're just kind of stalling. Yeah, we really don't want to do this. Can we just send some guys up? Or it could be wise. Go, hey, let's figure out a good strategy. Let's be prudent. God didn't say, don't think of a strategy. You know, and so, okay, who came up with this idea? Okay, so let's flip back to uh, Numbers, where this takes place. Numbers chapter 13. Mm -hmm. And Katrina, would you read verse 1, please? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... And 2, sorry. (laughs) That was brief. What did Deuteronomy say? So which is this? The Bible contradicts itself. <clears throat> Can you reconcile this? Okay, God, in Numbers it says God told him. Yeah, yeah but, I can think whatever God told me is a good thing, so. But in Deuteronomy it doesn't say God told him. It says the people came and asked to send spies out. Moses' response in verse 23 seems to think that this was a new idea to him. It seemed good to me. It seemed like a good, it seemed good to me. So this is, this is like the different accounts of the resurrection of Christ. If you read one and then read the other, you're just going to go, contradiction, flag on the play, and you go, no. Let's, is, is it possible that all of these are correct and all of these, I was explaining to Emma, you got three people on an intersection. They all, all see an accident. And everybody is going to tell you what they saw. And what they are going to tell you is true. But they're not giving you the whole picture. Each individual. If you assemble them all, you get a whole picture. So let's say potentially that here come all of these people. And say, hey, let's go up and spy out the land. And Moses goes, sounds like a great idea. Lord, what shall we do? 
How about you send out spies and go spy out the land? You go, great. Who's got the greater authority? The people or God? God, absolutely. And so God gets the glory in numbers where it unfolds. And we see the impetus of it was actually in the people. Did God move the hearts of the people? Yes. Is it, did God plainly speak to Moses in numbers? Yes. Can they both be true? Absolutely. And so they send out spies into the land. The thing seemed good to me. They turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Okay. We're going to stop right there because we're out of time. This this next part, and let me encourage you to, to read through the rest of chapter 1. We'll, we'll cover the rest of chapter 1 next week. It's, it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. It is, I am more afraid of my circumstances and my situation than trusting you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. But have I not told you? Have I not said? I don't trust you. And the consequences for it are devastating. Devastating. Any thoughts uh, uh, up to this point here? What we looked at with regard to the leaders or moving forward to the threshold of the promised land. Sorry for leaving you guys hanging over there. Jesse's teaching today. All right, let's pray. Father, um, as we read the ancient law, I pray that we would see your extraordinary love for your people, your extraordinary love for us, your grace, your might, and your power, and that our eyes would be fixed upon you. And that when you speak to us, we would trust you, even though giants be about, that we would cling to you, that we would nestle under your wing and move forward in our lives for your glory, knowing that you hold us in your hand even through the day of our final breath on this earth. Be glorified in your church this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.